When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Talking City podcast from the Manchester Evening News. I'm your host, Rich Fay, and I'm delighted to be joined once again by Simon Bykowski. Hello. And by a sun-kissed Stu Brennan. Hello. It's nice to have you back, Stu. How, how was your holiday? Absolutely fabulous, thank you. Do you feel refreshed? Uh, I did until I came back into work and then I, I felt unrefreshed it's again. It's funny the effect the MEN can have on you. One day and it chisels away all that holiday happiness, but... Uh, you did have an enjoyable weekend as well. So I get to watch the champions again. Another stroll in the park, really, against the Brighton side that came to came to the Etihad with a game plan of maybe just trying to <laughs> keep City out for as long as they could. And then the floodgates opened a bit and a, another easy day at the office for City. Yeah, it was very interesting. Um, I spoke last week about how much I liked Graham Potter. Mm. And uh, he certainly had an interesting plan for how to stop City, which was to keep the ball for as much as possible. Um, Guardiola loved it. He said they showed more courage than any team had done in the last three years at the Etihad. And he wishes more teams would play that way. And you can see why he'd say that, because they won 4-0. So <laughs> if, if if they could win 4-0 every week, then, then perfect. But... It, I mean, Brighton just got undone because City have got better players. But it will be interesting to see if anyone takes on Brighton's approach or to see if they can maybe utilise some of that because it was an example of a team trying something different against City and they did frustrate them for large spells. Um, It's just City are too good. Yeah, I guess, Stu... In not only as a spectacle, obviously, we've what was that famous way that Newcastle kicked off at home to City, where they launched it, had a shot straight from kickoff, John Joe Shelby. Yeah. But the the Brighton approach as well, and playing like like that, trying to keep the ball, is surely the best way to actually get a result against City as well, because like Saisa, it does rely on them trying to actually play football. And- yeah, I don't think there's any good way really, because if you sit back, you're going to get picked open. If you have a if you attack. With with gay abandon, you're going to get exposed. Um, yeah, keeping the ball for as long as possible perhaps keeps the score down. You know, uh, but it's refreshing. It's refreshing that you see, uh, especially promoted teams. It seems to be we had Wolves last season coming up and, and playing quite bold football. You know, and that they held City at Molyneux. Um, you know, Norwich play a bit of football. Um, Sheffield United have a few innovative ways of going about the game. It's great to see that the, the you know, that promoted clubs aren't just turning up and, uh, and expecting to be thrashed and, uh, and, and just making the most of it. Um, so yeah, I, I was, I was really impressed with Brighton. I was impressed with the way they, they set about it. Uh, and although they lose a the game four um, nil, you know, it, it could have been six or seven if they'd have, if they'd have taken the approach and the sort of defeatist attitude that some some teams do when they come to come to City. So uh, yeah, it's it's good to see. I like it. Would you agree with Pep Sai that it was the uh, maybe the the best, almost encouraging away performance that we've seen in the SCF for a while? Even though other teams have got results, like the, the game against Spurs almost felt more comfortable in a way. Yeah, it, 
feels like the last two games, Brighton and Bournemouth, they've had real coaching tests. Like the way Eddie Howe set Bournemouth up, it really tested City. And the way Brighton played is something City are just not used to. And like I say, they weren't the most convincing team performances, but they've got such quality in individuals. And the, the second and third goal in particular are just goals that you would love to see in any football game going. So, um, yeah, they've they've come through some quite tricky tests. And like you say, I think the, the Tottenham game everyone thought was going to be the big one and it is the one that they've dropped points in. But, it, you know, that's the game they've looked best and most comfortable in. Yeah, and like you said, the, the second third goals, the goals that only really City can score in the Premier League. Uh, Stu, what did you make of the, the attack and display from from City in the way that so many of their attacking players are shining. It seems every week that someone else sort of steps up into the into the limelight. I know Aguero's been on it for the last two weekends. Before that, it was Jesus. We've seen Bernardo. We've seen Silva. We've seen Mares. We've seen De Bruyne. All of them are having their moments already. Yeah, can I just qualify anything I may say in this podcast by pointing out that I was on holiday watching these. <laughs> so I was watching these games in a bar in Dubrovnik um, with, in fact, two... Two Liverpool supporting holiday pals that I made. And were they pals? Uh, they were good lads. They were good. Sad. They weren't. They weren't some of the more extreme, shall we say, Liverpool fans that you can come across. Particularly the, the ones that I, <laughs> the ones that I tend to uh, have debates with on Twitter. These 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 were, were decent, proper football supporting lads. So it wasn't too bad. But they were getting very excited whenever Brighton crossed the halfway line. So it may maybe coloured my judgment slightly. <laughs> but uh, no. It, yeah, that, I mean that is a thing with City, and that is a thing. Um, I again, I think gives them the advantage over Liverpool in the title race. Um, they've got goals in them from everywhere, you know. Across Liverpool's front three, score the goals for them. Uh, City, City's front three score plenty of goals, but they've got De Bruyne, David Silva weighs in with a fair few, Gundogan gets the odd one. Um, so they've they've got goals from from so many different positions, uh, and if if Aguero has a an off off week, it probably means that they'll only win four nil rather than <laughs> six nil. Um, but yeah, I mean, the competition is so intense that you can't afford to have a bad game. If you have a bad game, you're out, and you you know somebody else will step in and seize the chance. Uh, and Mares has started the season really well. Um, I felt some some of the things he did against Brighton, um, especially the, the, uh, for one of the goals, the back heel, and then a, the then a, goal, then a yeah. dummy to follow it was just was just excellent. It's the kind of stuff you you know you, you pay your you pay your vast ticket prices for. Um, so yeah, I mean that having having those options, having people who can score from all over the park, is a major plus for City. I mean, it makes it so exciting as well because you're not just it's not just a case of getting the ball into Aguero and inputting it in the net. It's it's people from coming in from the wings. It's people, you know, making runs from midfield. Um, and the variety of goals that City score is is another exceptional thing. You know, they they score they can score they don't score an awful lot of goals from outside the box. Um, yeah, I, I just wonder if that's a Pep Guardiola thing because he, you know, it's not as beautiful maybe yeah, sometimes. Yeah, is it? For him, a tapping from six inches after forty-four passes is is a perfect goal. Whereas, you know, obviously, we, I like to see a Kevin De Bruyne stick one in the top corner from from thirty-five yards. They still do score those kind of goals, but pr- pr- well, sometimes I think it 
I guess particularly for maybe chasing the game, it's almost maybe this we word wrong, but like desperation when you're having a shot from distance, where City like we'll just pass it into the box, get as close as we want, and then tap it in. It's almost like a maths algorithm, just make it the easiest percentage of scoring a goal. Yeah, yeah, it is probably that. I mean, but they, they, they score they score beautiful goals of all all types, and I guess when you do get like Vincent Company's goal against Leicester last season, it just sort of makes it even more dramatic. You know that you don't see that kind of goal too often these days from City, but. It's uh, it's great to watch. Yeah, you feel sorry for any parent who's got a kid wanting every City player's name on the back of their shirt. It must be so <laughs> hard picking the one to have. But uh, on Aguero side, we I mean we said the first two podcasts of the season really that it was something not quite right about him, and now it's seven shots that he scored within a row in the Premier League. It's been a remarkable maybe upturn, but a reminder of just how good. Yes, yeah, um, I mean I can't. Partly because Stu's been sunning himself of been at all four games so far and the Tottenham game was one of the best performances I've seen from a Premier League team ever. The other three, not amazing. I don't feel like City have been in top form um, and I don't feel like Aguero's been in top form. Um, But Aguero has six goals in four games De Bruyne has five assists in four games. City have scored more goals, had more shots, had more shots on target than anyone else. City have, no one's conceded. Um, City have got as many clean sheets as everyone. They've uh, conceded the fewer shots at their goal. So without being anywhere near the best, I would say, they've utterly dominated the rest of the league so far, apart from where it matters in the table. Um, but you would say on the basis of those four games if they keep playing like they like they've started um they will dominate the league again because there is clearly room for both individuals and the team to get better and they're still already this good yeah like I said, they only drop points because of technology and and, and they're all finishing on the day yeah. but um it's but not as if they played bad which they, is so they, they bullied tottenham as if they were a league 2 team which was Crazy, yeah, absolutely uh, crazy. So you mentioned as well in the uh, second goal the uh, the brilliance of Mares, really, and I guess he's another player who I had a very good summer of Algeria, and he's sort of come on leaps and bounds. But he does look like a player who is definitely at, at the city level required now, because I know there were some doubts when he joined of how he'd adapt to life, and maybe that first season there was still maybe a few teething issues, but he looks well up to speed now. Yeah, I mean, I think I think Pep nailed it last season when he said that. He, you know, he had sympathy for him, but his his only problem really was that he was behind Bernardo Silva and Raheem Sterling, who were City's two most consistent players last season, arguably. Um, so he, he just couldn't get a run of games, and I think Pep said at the time if he if he could get a run of five or six games together, he would be at the same level as Bernardo and Raheem Sterling, and we're perhaps seeing that now. You know, he, he's he's got he's had more involvement at the start of this season. And he's been playing at a really, really strong level. Um, of course, whether he can keep that going—that's that's the question now. Because that's that's exactly what Bernardo and Raheem Sterling did. They they didn't let that standard drop from from beginning to end of last season. So Mara's challenge is, is to keep that going, um, and also to respond well when he does get left out. Because there are there are so, with the Brian coming back. The pressure on places is even greater than it was last season. Uh, it's Bernardo Silva, funnily enough, who seems to be feeling the pinch. You know, he's he's not played as much. Um, he, he didn't have a great pre-season. 
Um, and he's not, you know, he's not been, he's not been starting. He'd be the first name in your team sheet. I certainly was last season. I think Pep said as much, didn't he? That he, a couple of times he said he said his team was going to be Bernardo Silva and ten others. Um, that isn't the case anymore, um, and that that a lot of that is down to Mares. You know, the fact that Mares has, has shown what he can do. Um, but you look, you can all you expect from Bernardo is a response to that because that's the kind of player he is. He, you know, he won't go off and sulk. He's he's a perfect squad player. I'm sure he'll be giving Mahrez every, every bit of support, but he'll also be fighting hard in training to get his place back. Wasn't all good news though, Cypher City at the weekend. Obviously that injury to America Laporte, he was stretched off. Uh, I guess the disadvantage of this podcast is we are recording this on Tuesday afternoon. We're expecting an update in the week at some point. Um, what 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 do you think? I mean, it's difficult to talk <laughs> yeah, about, isn't no, it? They, but how big a loss? They, um, they, yeah, there's, there's an official update expected on... Tuesday evening but um, I think we're expecting him to miss a significant chunk of the season he went down immediately with his knee um, and I mean sometimes knee ligament injuries you they don't go down immediately like Benjamin Mendy stayed on quite a few times um, but Sane did ligament damage and Guardiola said at the weekend we hope it's it's not as bad as Leroy Um who's out for six to seven months, but he's still looking at a significant amount of time out, um, I think. And it's going to be a massive loss because he's their best defender and they've only got three natural centre-backs. So there's Laporte, there's Otamendi, who could have left in summer, and there's Stones, who's not had an excellent full season in three years at the club and has missed the last three games with injury. So... um, yeah, it's 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 the big issue for City right now. Yeah, and Pep said the thing before the game he's the best left sided centre back in, in the world really. But uh at the weekend we did see Fernandinho, we know he's been sort of the earmarked for this role in a centre back position if needed. It's probably not the way that Guardiola envisaged him to, to be playing there, Pep. But, uh, but what did you make of the uh, the cameo from Fernandinho as a centre back at the weekend, Stu? Well, he wasn't tested, was he? I mean, that, that, that's the problem. We, we we don't really know. I mean, I was looking looking back at the two games uh, where he's he's, play, he's actually played there three times for City, but one was against Shakhtar Donetsk in a dead rubber game in the Champions League a couple of years ago uh, when he was in a back three with Adarabayo and was it the away game? Mangala, Five, yeah. Phil and Foden, had, left Phil wing, Foden left wing back. So if you judge if you judge him by that, that'd, that'd be quite unfair, I suspect. But last season, he played twice in the space of three weeks as a centre-back. I still remember us turning up and seeing the, the team and we we sort of trying to figure out where everything fitted together. Because if I remember rightly, Laporte was at left-back, was that right, against Arsenal? Maybe. I, I think, it's like, I it's like an so. Ikea thing, isn't it? It is, yeah. Like, <laughs> trying to assemble the team and then when the player, you end up giving up and waiting until the team come out. And there was Fernandinho against Aubameyang and Lacazette and he's playing centre-back alongside Otamendi. And again, we all thought, Pep's, they always say there's a fine line between genius and insanity. And we, you've think, gone well past Pep, it. Pep's just flipped over it for this. <laughs> but the number of times we've said that, and then things have gone right. And he actually he actually played really well as a centre-back. He, he just, you know, bringing the ball out, as you would expect, completely calm, in control, composed, bit of authority about him and City won the game 3-1 no no great alarms 
Uh, but then he played again at Schalke away in the Champions League th- 16 days later and um, ended up pulling down Salif Sané for the, for the, for the Schalke penalty, uh, one of the two Schalke penalties. Um, and he didn't... It's at times like that you kind of think, well, yeah, he's not a defender. You know, he's a defensive midfielder, but he isn't really a defensive midfielder. He was a, he made his name as like a box-to-box midfielder for, for Shakhtar. Um, and he is he is a better player when he's he's got his back to his own goal in, in my book. Uh, and I think that, that penalty perhaps, perhaps showed it. So if he, if he gets seriously challenged, I think there's a problem. But City don't often get seriously challenged, you know, and they're able to play out from the back. Laporte does both. Laporte is, is a defender, proper defender. You know, he, he puts his head there, he gets tackles in, he gets his body in the way. Um, but he's also a superb passer of the ball. Um, Fernandinho has got perhaps 75% of those two attributes. Um, so if and when City are in control, which is just about always, he'll look great. If this, if it carries on and you, you, you then get into play, if playing Liverpool, you, I wouldn't fancy Fernandinho as one of my centre-backs. Um, he'll be all right against Norwich, he'll be all right against Watford and teams like this. But if you play one of the big teams, I think it, I think it could become a problem. So... City, I think they need to keep the fingers crossed that either Stones comes back strongly, or that uh, Laporte can get over his injury quicker than they than, than people seem to be expecting. Would you fancy Otamendi and Stones against Liverpool? Uh, more than Fernandinho, yeah, because they are natural defenders. You you got to remember Stones played in the the two one at the Etihad and yeah, 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 the great goal yeah, line clearance, yeah. proper defending, and in the nil nil. But I mean. Stones and Otamendi finishes third and fourth choice last season. Yeah. Right. So. But Fernandinho was fifth or sixth. Fifth, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess the other qu- thing, like Stu mentioned there, is that against many opposition, having Fernandinho centre back won't matter. But I guess with the fixture congestion kicking in after international break, there might be a, a chance for some youngsters in, in the the lesser competition, shall we say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Eric Garcia was in Pep's plans at the beginning of the summer, Taylor Howard Bellis made his way up there by the end of the summer so those two are two that would have expected games anyway and I think we'll get more games um, as a result of, of Laporte's injury Do you think either of them will ever maybe make us make the squad for Premier League games and stuff over the next couple of months then? Yeah Either of those two Yeah um, is probably a little bit ahead of Arwood Bellis um, just because he's he's had more experience he was on tour last season He's actually got games, first team games under his belt. Um, personally, I think long term, um, Howard Bellis has perhaps got better attributes for playing in the Premier League because he's he's bigger and more physical than, than Garcia. Um, so I would suggest Garcia might, you know, he, he has been on the bench this season. I would suspect Garcia will be will be the one who takes a step up and, and makes the bench. Um, and how would Bellis is one for a little bit further into the future? The type of games that might feature in the Champions League ones, and we had the uh, 
The, the draw. The, the, yeah, the joy of the draw, I was going to say. Uh, last week, uh, another trip to Shakhtar awaits Atalanta and Dynamo Zagreb as well. I saw lots of Liverpool fans on the social media saying it's always the easy draws for City, ignoring some of the runs they might have had in the 70s and 80s. But uh, After drawing Ghent. Yeah. <laughs> it's a pretty easy draw for Liverpool as well. That's not, that's not the point, though. The, the draws are easier if you're in pot one. And they're easier if you're the best team in Europe as well, aren't they? Yeah, so, uh, which Liverpool are, so... Technically. Ah, yeah. Can you be the best team in Europe if you're not the best team in your own country? That's my question. It's, well, Pep keeps calling Spurs the second best team in Europe. So. Yeah, but he also called them the Harry Kane team for <laughs> half a season, didn't he? So. They were the best team in last year's Champions League. I think that's the best way of describing them. Yes. We'll, yeah. we'll give them that for that. Um, but yeah, the draw for City, it should be uh, pretty close to full points again, maybe. Like, I mean, they, if they have to rest players or not, but yeah, I, I'm sure I say it every year, but last year, it, but last it, year's it's, it's looked, pointless discussing the Champions League until knockout the quarters, I think. But I guess the, the city po- should be there. The point is that this year's group looks even easier than last year's. Last year's is quite a, quite a breeze anyway, other than the, the Leon game, really. Yeah, I, I don't. Think, I think I think we're being a bit disrespectful here because I mean, last season everyone said, "Oh, an easy game, easy group for City." Then they promptly lost the opening game at home to Leon, which nobody expected. Um, they were they were given a bit of a come up and you know they, they weren't exactly convincing against Hoffenheim, um, so it wasn't uh, it wasn't exactly a breeze and we don't really know a lot. But I mean Atlanta again because people think it's a, the capital city of Georgia and I've never <laughs> and half the city fans have never heard of them until they drew them. Um, but this is a team that finished pretty you know high, high enough in Serie A two so seasons in a row there. as well. Cause they got well, Europa League last year. There yeah. you go. I mean, you're not, you know, Serie A teams are rarely deficient, you know, when it comes to... One team you know a lot about, those two, Shakhtar. You've been there enough to... I know, I know lots about Shakhtar. <laughs> I know every, every, every dive bar in Kharkov. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I I didn't do the, the season before. I did last season, uh, the Shakhtar away game. But I didn't do the, the season before, the, the dead rubber. Um, but yeah, I mean... It, just because City know exactly what they're up against, really, with that, um, that you would expect that to be a, a reasonably easy game. But I mean, Dinamo Zagreb, I'm, I've never been there. That's one place I've never been. Um, but judging by the reputation, you expect it to be a pretty hostile away game. You know, the Croatians are pretty passionate, pretty fierce. And I can imagine it'll be a, a difficult venue in terms of, of the atmosphere, uh, even if, you know, they've not exactly pulled up a lot of trees in European football lately so uh, you know it's unknown territory in two out of the three and then uh, it's easy though isn't it <laughs> <laughs> just say it's easy well you were saying that last year and uh, yeah yeah and they yeah. and they breezed it and they breezed it yeah <laughs> <laughs> and they lost to Leon and Pep went into the dressing room and said that it, you got they'd all embarrassed him yeah um, I, I just think the fixtures have, have helped them out you know they go to Shakhtar first where they won 3-0 last season the toughest game for, then they've yeah. got the other two teams at home um, then Atlanta away which you know I'd be fussed about a trip to Milan then Shakhtar at home so that you know Stu's right Zagreb might be a tough place to go but they should already have qualified by then yeah. should already have won the group by then Oh, that's it then, sorted. Sorted. See you in the quarters. <laughs> Before VAR comes back to haunt us again. Uh, on that, we'll look again, this is only briefly, we'll look at the Norwich game in more comprehensive detail next week. But uh, maybe that's the, the one tricky part is that they've got all these uh, long trips maybe, which you know, can, can take their toll. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know how City are getting there, but it's, you feel like you're <laughs> driving to the end of the earth whenever you go to Norwich. Um, it's just it's just such a, it's a long way to go. Um, I, I feel, I mean, I, we get paid to go there, so we can't complain too much, but uh, the City fans who go, you know, fair play to them because it is a, it's a heck of a trek. Um, but, you know, you look at City's recent record at Norwich, it's not that long ago when... Uh, Tevez scored his hat trick, hat trick there, and they won six one. Um, they've had some some big wins there. They had a, a number of four three quite recently as well. It was another thriller. So it was uh, they do tend to go there and score goals. And the way Norwich is set up, you you kind of think that, that that might be the case again. You know, there could be a few goals in it, and you would expect City to to score most of them. And you almost sound excited to be going, Stu. It's going to be a long week. Well, I've not I've not done the game since uh, West Ham on the opening day of the season, so I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to getting back to doing games again. That's for sure. International breaks kill you, <laughs> so uh, I'm looking forward to to it in that re- in that regard. I could have just done with a nice home game to, to <laughs> easy way back yeah. in, though, you know, but rather than going to Norwich on Saturday, getting back in the early hours of Sunday morning, and flying to. Ukraine on Monday morning but I'm not moaning before you all start before you start writing letters about how lucky I am to do what I'm doing I accept all that you but, can hear uh, the joy in his voice anyway can't you to, <laughs> to know it's sincere but uh, yeah we will be back next week to give you a more comprehensive look ahead to the Norwich game and we should be able to reflect on some of the international fixtures as well and give you another update on the Ports injury latest and maybe a roundup of the season so far Science Stu thank you very much for joining us today on the Talking City podcast. Please do make sure to leave a like and subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already and we will see you again next time.